one finds themselves stuck with a label, unable to free themselves from its ugly grip. Occupations oftentimes define a person and gives them their sense of worth. And so it was with me, Rahab, the prostitute. Tension was high in the city, as high as the walls that surrounded Jericho. There were wars, and there were rumors of wars. Everyone was on high alert. No one was allowed in the city, and no one was allowed out. You could almost see the city gates shake with fear. So when the two men asked me to hide them, it wasn't an unusual request. And when another knock came at my door, my heart began to race. For surely, it must be the king's men. There was much at stake. My life and my family's lives. So I sidestepped the truth and I told the guards that the men had already left. And it worked. The guards were gone, but the spies remained. Something burned deep inside me as I ran onto the rooftop. I knew what camp these men were from. They were from the tribe of truth. And truth was what I so desperately needed. For the Lord, your God, is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. forth in me as I claimed my faith in their God, my God. The walls of guilt and condemnation came tumbling down in my soul, and for the first time, filled with hope. So I lowered the two men down by a rope through a window. But the negotiations weren't over. For my life and my family's lives also depended on this cord being hung out the window. It's amazing, really, how things change. Now, this color was being used to keep a promise and not break one. I saw many miraculous things in those days. 
But the most miraculous happened to me. Yes, it took courage for me to hide the spies. But it took more courage for me to finally cross over that line and believe in the one true God that I couldn't see, but that I knew was there. You see, we are all going to die. But how many of us will really live, live by faith? Many people judge a book by its cover. And many men have flipped through the pages of my story over and over again. And many thought that they knew how my story was going to end. Not so. For I am living proof that God is the only one who knows the beginning and the ending of every person's life. And just because a person's story starts out one way doesn't mean it has to end that way. Sometimes our desperateness leads us to places that we don't want to go. And sometimes our desperateness leads us home, right where we belong. You know, a great many people, even Christians, struggle with their past. You're looking at one who still is challenged with the way that I was living before Jesus took hold of my life. Maybe you're like me. There are times, there have been times, when I've never forgiven myself. And so I think, well, you know what? It's difficult to believe that God would forgive me either. Maybe you live daily with that constant thought about your previous mistakes. Maybe you, like me, have had those times in your life where you live with that continuing thought, if only, if only I had done this, if only I had not done that, my life would be different. Today, we're going to look at the life of this woman you just saw. The life of this woman who illustrates the idea of trying to outlive our past. Rahab. Rahab made some horrible choices in her life. But what you need to know is this. 
When it comes to God, the choices of your past are near as important as the choices you make now. Did you hear that, friends? The choices you've made in the past are not near as important as the choices you make now. As Moses had done, Joshua sent spies into Jericho to bring back information about the land. But I believe that God sent the spies for a far greater reason. I believe that God sent those spies into Jericho for a much greater purpose. You see, Joshua chapter 2 is a shining example of God's sovereign grace. It's a chapter that makes it clear that God desires to save people beyond just one nation. God desires to save people beyond just a particular group of people. Even the most unlikely people. Even the most unlikely people can be objects of God's grace. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2, I'm going to take us through this chapter in small bite-sized chunks uh, so you can just bear with me. In the first verse of this chapter, the Bible reads, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go and view the land, especially Jericho. So they went, and they came to the house of a harlot, a prostitute named Rahab, and they lodged there. So immediately in Joshua chapter 2, Rahab is identified as a prostitute. And undoubtedly, that's why the spies went to her home first. Not for immoral purposes. But where else could two strangers go where they wouldn't be asked a bunch of questions? So they go to Rahab's home. And today I want you to see several factors that were involved in Rahab's faith. Beginning with this. Faith can be born in the most unlikely places. Faith can be born in the most unlikely places. You see, on a human level, the chances of anybody in Jericho coming to believe in the one and only true God were slim to none. The first thing that Rahab had going against her was the, her religious background. You see, she was living in an ungodly city. Rahab was living in an ungodly culture. Does that sound familiar to you? Sadly, it's what our country is growing to. Rahab had never had the privilege of hearing about the one and only true God. And if her religious background did not make her an unlikely candidate, then even more unlikely was her moral background, what she did for a living. But in the most unlikely of places, in this dark and ungodly city, the most unlikely of people, true faith was found. Today we're going to talk about how that was found. 
first of all, we're going to see that faith comes by hearing and acting on the truth. Faith comes by hearing and acting on the truth. To understand what Rahab did and why she did it, we kind of got to fast forward a little bit in this chapter because Rahab reveals her faith beginning really in verse 9. Check it out with me. In verse 9 of Joshua chapter 2, the scriptures say uh, that Rahab said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did they remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God of heaven above and on earth below. Because of her profession as a prostitute, Rahab was probably well informed about the events going on outside of Jericho. She'd heard the reports of how God enabled the Israelites to miraculously cross through the Red Sea on dry ground. She had heard about how in the power of God the Israelites destroyed Pharaoh's army. She'd heard the news about Israel conquering these Amorite kings, Sihon and Og. And those, those reports, that news, terrified the citizens of Jericho. But I think you would agree with me that just because you're scared of someone don't mean you have faith in them. They were scared of the Israelites, but they did not place their faith in the God of the Israelites. But Rahab, on the other hand, she heard those stories. She heard those reports. And she concluded what those fearful citizens missed. She concluded that if Israel was experiencing these incredible victories, then their God must be the true God. And she believed that. And Paul tells us in Romans that faith comes by hearing. Well, maybe Rahab didn't know a whole lot about God, but what she heard, she believed, and she acted on. What she heard about what God had done, she believed in her heart, and she acted upon that belief. Let me ask you this question. Do you? Do you believe and act upon what you believe? That's the problem with modern-day Christianity. We hear a whole lot of truth. We may even claim to believe it, but we fail to act upon it. Friends, I want to tell you this morning that there is no one, no one beyond the reach of God's saving grace. Every human being can be saved. And if God could save somebody like Rahab, then I want to tell you that in spite of her religious ignorance, in spite of her baggage in her immoral past, I mean, if he can save Rahab, he can save anybody. fact that Rahab believed despite all those barriers man that should serve as a challenge to people who hear over and over and over again about God and about Jesus Christ but they never come 
Rahab heard, she believed, and she acted upon her belief. But not only is faith based upon hearing and acting upon the truth, I also see here that faith demands a decision. True faith demands a decision. Let's read verse 2 there in Joshua chapter 2. And it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out our country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring the men whom have come to you who have entered your house, for they have come to search out our country. Now, when the king asks you to do something, how many of you know that he's not really asking? Amen? When the king tells you to do something, he's commanding you to do it. Rahab had two options. She had two options. One, she could confess her belief in the one and only true God and side with the Israelites. Or she could abandon what she believed and turn the spies over to the king. But Rahab learned about God. She had learned about God, and she was absolutely determined that she was going to follow God, whatever that decision might cost. Again, it's something that modern-day Christianity doesn't realize. That if you become a Christian, friend, it comes with a cost. There is a price. Yes, salvation is free, but salvation comes with a cost. Even if it means, like it did for Rahab, that you have to stand alone in your faith. You know, it's a lot easier to stand when somebody's standing with you. Amen? It's a whole lot easier to believe when other people are believing alongside you. But it's different altogether. If you believe something and you're all alone in what you believe. I applaud people like Rahab. I applaud the Christians in the Middle East who are being hacked to death. Burned to death. Whose families are being killed. But yet they still insist upon standing for their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But Rahab... She turned her back on her past. She discarded her past for the sake of her new faith in the one and only true God. But that didn't make her a Jew. But since she believed in the God of the Jews, instinctively she knew that her place was now with God's people. In fact, you know, I look at Rahab and I say, you know what? She believed more genuinely than the other Jews believed. Her faith was real. Her belief was real. Bill, how do you know? Well, all you got to do is just look at how she acted. Look at what she had to do to back up her faith compared to what the Jews were doing. Let's read in verse 4. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. Talking about Rahab. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Boy, she's just telling a bold-faced lie, ain't she? That the men went out. Where the men went, I don't know. Pursue them quickly and you may overtake them. But she had brought them to her roof and hidden them with stalks of flax 
which she had laid on in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before the people on the roof lay down, Rahab came up to the roof and talked with them. See, Rahab not only hid the spies, but she also misdirected the king's men. I want to tell you that Rahab would have been a dead woman walking if her deception would have come to light. They'd have killed her on the spot. But her faith in God was so real. Her faith in God was so strong that she was prepared to put her life at risk. No matter what. She was willing to put her life at risk in order to do what she knew was right. Brothers and sisters, are you willing to put your life at risk in order to do what you know is right? That's a tall order. It's going to take faith like Rahab. Is your faith like that? You know, if you think about it, a person's life always demonstrates what they say about their faith. They may say, hey, I attend Bethel Baptist Church every Sunday, and I believe. But then you see them at work, and you listen to the language they use. You listen to the judgmental attitudes that they have. And their life truly demonstrates what kind of faith they have. Let me just go be so bold as to say this. If your life consistently contradicts what you say about your faith, you do not have saving faith. If your declaration of faith is not backed up by a consistent godly lifestyle, you're lying to yourself and trying to lie to everybody else. But those kind of attitudes are often very transparent, aren't they? We know. And they know. No matter how strong you declare it, no matter how many times you might say it, if you're living counter to this word, if you're living counter to the word of God, you are not saved. Because a declaration of faith is backed up by a consistent godly lifestyle. The Bible says that true faith always, say always, always. oh, it always, friends, transforms people. True saving faith always has this transforming effect on people. So we find that with the search party out looking for these men, that Rahab went on to the roof and she began speaking to them. Let's read about that in verse 12. 
Now therefore, she said uh, to the spies, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness, that I will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all that we have and deliver our lives from death. You see, friend, not only does faith demand a decision, faith also demands a demonstration. It also demands a demonstration. Let's keep reading in verse 14. So the man answered her, our lives for yours. Sounds like a pretty good deal, amen? Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be that when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. And then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, go to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. And so the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us to swear, unless, unless when we come to the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in your window through which you let us down. And unless... And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brother, your sisters, and all your family's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside these doors of your house into the street, his blood will be on his own hands, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our hands if a single hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, we will then be free from this oath which you made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so let it be. And she sent them away and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. So Rahab agreed to all the stipulations of the spies. And the spies agreed to all the stipulations of, the Rah of Rahab. She's got to keep a red cord hanging out her window. And she must gather her father and her mother and her brothers and her sisters and all their families in her own home when the Israelites attacked Jericho. Now, i got to ask a question there. How in the world and why in the world would you want to convince your whole family to come to your house? Amen? I can't handle my family at my house for very long at all. Amen? I can't imagine how Rahab was feeling. But how do you convince them to come? How do you convince them to come to your house and stay there while the city is being attacked? I mean, what a test of faith. It reminds me of, of, of Noah convincing his family to build this ark out in the middle of nowhere for 120 years by faith. Now, we don't know how long they had to wait at Rahab's house before the attack began. But what we do know is that once the attack began, the Israelites marched around the walls of the city of Jericho every day for seven days straight. Can you imagine the stress in that household? You think there's house stress in your household? Imagine the stress in this household. We do know that each day that after the Israelites circled the city in complete silence, 
What did they do? They turned around and went back to camp. Imagine the stress of that. What's going on? What are they doing? Why are they doing this? Here's something else we know. We know that on the seventh day, they marched around that city. And with a great shout, the walls of Jericho fell flat. I believe that. I believe that literally the walls surrounding Jericho fell flat, all except for one exception. I envision this small section of wall where Rahab lived, still standing with a scarlet cord hanging out of its window. See, friend, listen carefully. If you're listening, say amen. The miraculous can happen when you demonstrate your faith. The miraculous can happen when you demonstrate your faith. When you say you have faith, don't expect a miracle. But when you demonstrate your faith, you can expect the miraculous to happen. Finally, I want you to see that faith is always rewarded. It's always rewarded. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 25, as promised, Rahab and her family were spared, spared from death. Listen to verse 25 in Joshua chapter 6. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells with Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Not only did her family and her escape death, but notice this. She and her family were fully included in the community of God's people. What a blessing. What a reward. The Bible says that she and her family dwells in Israel to this day. They were accepted and became part of the family of God. You see, Rahab married, Rahab had children, Rahab had uh, grandchildren, she had great-grandchildren, and if you trace Rahab's lineage, you will not believe who you will find to be one of her descendants. You see, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible tells us that this lowly harlot, this lowly prostitute named Rahab was the 30th earthly grandmother on Joseph's side of Jesus Christ. Thirty generations back, Jesus' grandma was a prostitute who by faith believed and became part of the family of God. What an incredible victory over her past. And what a wonderful reminder of the grace of God. 
Friends, I want to close with a little story. A story that I read from Max Lucado's book entitled, No Wonder They Call Him a Savior. It's a story about Christina. Christina who lives in a small dusty village in Brazil. Now Christina's heart was empty and Christina felt like society was cheating her out of the joy of life. She longed for the excitement of the big city in Rio de Janeiro where the Olympics were held. One morning, her mother, Maria, woke up and found Christina's bed empty. Immediately, she knew where her daughter had gone. Immediately, she knew what she had to do to get her. She quickly threw some clothes in a bag and she gathered up all of her money and she ran out of the house. She had to stop by the drugstore first to get one last thing. Pictures. Maria sat in the photograph booth and she closed the curtain and she took as many pictures of herself as she could afford. And with her purse full of those black and white photos, she boarded the bus to Rio de Janeiro. Now Mama knew that Christina had no way of earning money. But she also knew that Christina was too stubborn to give up. And she knew that when pride meets hunger, man, people will do things they never would have thought about doing before. Knowing this, Maria arrived in Rio de Janeiro and began searching for her daughter. She started in the bars. Then she went to the hotels and she went to all the, all the nightclubs. She went anywhere where a streetwalker might go. She went anywhere where a prostitute might go. She went into every one of them in the whole city of Rio. And at each place, she left a picture. She'd leave a picture taped on the bathroom window or bathroom mirror. She'd leave a picture tacked to the hotel bulletin board. She'd leave a picture fastened to a corner phone booth. She'd leave a picture anywhere she could. And she wrote a note on the back. But it wasn't long before the money and the photos ran out. She had no alternative. The mother had to go home without her daughter. As she boarded that bus back home to her village, she cried profusely. But just a few weeks later, young Christina was walking down some hotel stairs. Her young face was tired in her dark brown eyes was pain and fear. Her laughter was broken, and all of those wonderful dreams had become nightmares. A thousand times over, she just thought about how awesome it would be to trade in the countless beds for that pallet she used to sleep on in the village. 
But then she reached the bottom of the stairs and something caught her eye. It was a familiar face. And she looked and there taped on the lobby mirror was a picture of her mother. Immediately her eyes began to burn and her throat got tight. And she walked across the lobby and she removed that small photo. And written on the back of that picture was this compelling invitation. It said, whatever you've done, whatever you have become, it don't matter. Please come home. And she did. Friends, if God can use a person like Rahab to bring forth the Savior of the world, I want you to know this morning that God can use you. It's going to take some faith. And that faith comes by hearing and acting on the truth of God. That Jesus stepped out of the glory of heaven, came to earth, died a criminal's death, so you wouldn't have to. You could be forgiven of your sins. Not just one or two, but all of them. Hearing and acting on the truth of God, but then you've got to make a decision. And that decision is going to require a demonstration. But friends, if you can bring it to yourself, to take that step of faith. The promise of God's word is that your faith will be rewarded. So whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. God says, please come home. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the spirit of God that is in this place. And Lord, we ask this morning that if there is someone who is needing to take a step of faith, trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, Father, we pray that they will have heard the truth of God and now they're willing to act upon it. That their faith would result in a decision, a decision that demands a, a demonstration. And that, Father, the reward of faith in Christ Jesus is an eternity in heaven. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter who we've become. Your invitation stands to every person in this room. God says, please come home. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,